right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Happy Friday. Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I am uh, basketball champion Derek Johnson. He is loser of our game of, we did pig instead of horse, Nick Springer. Okay. Let's hear some context here. We have a mini There's basketball. No I won. We have I, a mini basketball hoop set up in our studio. Yes. And we will occasionally, you know, have some fun, mess around, mm-hmm. shoot some hoops. And so true or false, we decided you won to play lost. a little game of pig about ten minutes before we came yeah. on here. And uh, you know, it was competitive. It was yeah. back and but forth. But true or false, you lost. It was a close game. True or false, you lost. It, it was a close Answer game. Answer the question. It was Answer a the question. It was a close competitive matchup. It was very tight. Could have gone either way. But, uh, you know, okay. sometimes it doesn't go your way. You know? <laughs> you ever lost a game of pig? It feels terrible. Not to you. It sucks. I haven't, so I don't know what that feels like. Okay, uh, <laughs> we are one week away from the KU-Missouri State game. We are also a week away from high school football. Technically a week from yesterday away. Free State plays next Thursday, Lawrence High next Friday. Um, so we're going to talk with Connor Becker of Lawrence Journal World later this hour at about 345 to help preview the high school sports and high school football season. we got a KU mailbag coming up in this hour. Three RCST football trivia matchups, all quarterfinals today. A lot of points were scored in some of our matchups. But regardless, all of our matchups pretty much came down to uh, the wire and had some drama toward the very end. We also got some KU football audio and a Jayhawk Rewind later on in the show. But yeah, we are one week away from KU Missouri State. Do you feel oh, you yeah. feel tangibly close? One, listen, we've had this debate back and forth. Is two closer than three, three closer <laughs> than four, you know, whatever. One, mm-hmm. I can tell you, the closest, obviously. It is, but honestly, I feel I feel less close than I did last week for some reason. Like, really? Like, I, I feel closer You know, that can't happen. Tangibly. Sometimes if you wait a long time for yeah. something, it's like... You'll have like a little bit of pre-hype, like right. a couple weeks before, and then as you get closer, that like wears off, and now it's like you wait again. Like yeah, last week I felt the pre-hype. I was like, yeah. oh, we're right there. Yeah, this week like, I'm Gat. just like, well, we still got a few more days. Exactly. But we do have yeah. college football this weekend, so maybe that'll tide me over. Uh, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So as we've been doing with us being weeks away, we've been doing well. We're two weeks away. Two represents this. Three represents whatever. One week out now. One is the jersey number of Kenny Logan. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, listen, he's the only he's, guy who's uh, wearing number one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Nobody one on the offense. Numbers. Nobody on the offense wearing number one this nope. year. Nope. Was anybody on the offense wearing change. number one last year? That's a I good question. Was. I'm trying to think. Was the last the guy last to wear guy, number one Puka Williams? It? Oh yeah, Puka Williams. You know, little known fact: Thomas McVitie was number one. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, there's no way that's right. I'm yeah, last sure year was, was just one. Kenny Logan, which is weird. Usually the single-digit jersey numbers, like, you definitely have multiple people wearing Hang on. I'm, like, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm going through Thomas McGoody. We should make this a trivia question. Thomas, okay, I have the number here. You are wrong. It's not number one? No, it's number seven. 
That's close to one. <laughs> I can see. I mean, in it a looks certain the same. font. Yes. Yeah, in a certain you know. font, you can. Yeah, okay. And that was when Kay was experimenting with those stupid where you couldn't see with the jersey anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what are we doing? I'll give you a pass. I'll give you a pass on that one. Thank you. Um, but what are what are Kenny Logan's expectations here? Is there a chance that he ends up, you know, uh, being like an All-American level player? Is there a chance that he's just... Like, is there a chance that he ends up being not even the best safety on the team? It's just he's the most recognizable name. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that we talked about, you know, where had a good season two years ago, goes into last season on the preseason Big 12 team. The expectations are higher. And it's not that he had a bad season per se. It just wasn't the same level or the level that we were expecting based off what he did the year before. So now coming into this season, should the expectation for him be just to be more of the same from last season? Or is there a chance that he could return to that level that we saw from him, you know, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. to where he is one of the better players, or if not the best player on your defense? I think it's a legitimate question. I think when you look at the safety room, the biggest thing is Kenny Logan's going to be challenged. He's going to be pushed. Uh, you know, OJ Burroughs and Marvin Grant are two guys that are very, very much deserving of snaps. And so you could see any combination of those three guys out there, and maybe that eats into Kenny Logan's total snaps, right? So yeah, I'm I'm curious about the expectations for Kenny Logan. I personally don't expect him to be like the best player on the defense, but kind of like we've talked about, I expect him to be a guy that's like pretty dependable, pretty reliable uh from the safety position who can, you know, be someone that you can kind of turn to when you when you need just a tackle or something like that, but it does he have that does he have that same level of maybe X factor difference ma- difference making, playmaking ability that and O.J. Burroughs does, or even Marvin Grant, who forced a couple of key fumbles last season over the course of his uh, 2022 campaign. So that's kind of my question. I, again, I so I guess I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like I think he'll, I think he'll have a chance to be a little bit better than he was last year. I don't think it'll be to the same level as it was when he became a preseason All Big 12 pick. But if he's just kind of that stalwart guy that that gives you what you need from the secondary, I think that's what that's. I think that's that's probably good enough. Like you have enough talent now in the secondary and the rest of the defense to where Kenny Logan doesn't have to be necessarily the guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know how much I trust the pro football focus numbers on safeties because that's why, like, I, I trust it more, honestly, on, like, offensive and defensive line because that's easier to be, like, Every play, you have like basically yeah. a one-on-one. Did, like, you, did you block you win, the guy, lose, right? or did you not block the guy? Yeah, with <laughs> with the safety, with with running back, it's hard because it's like, well, you're getting bonus points for broken tackles. You're not getting bonus points for if you just read the hole right and you didn't have to break a tackle. With safeties, it's like, well, we don't know what your assignment was there. So I don't know how much I trust it, but the Pro Football Focus numbers were not great for Kenny Logan last year. Now, Kobe Savage is seen as what one of the best DBs returning this year, right for Kansas Probably. State. Yeah, he he had the second lowest grade among qualified safeties, which there were like. 30 or 40 of them in the Big wow. 12 last year. So, again, maybe that goes in line with, like, don't trust the pro football focus numbers on, on certain positions, like safety maybe. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that, that's less reason to be concerned about Kenny Logan. Um, but I don't know. Like, I could see O.J. Burroughs being more impactful if he is a guy who – because the way I view it, O.J. Burroughs is your best coverage safety. Marvin yeah. Grant's your best box safety. Kenny Logan Kenny is Logan's the like perfect mix somewhere in the, the middle, two, right? Somewhere in the middle, yeah. And if O.J. Burroughs, because of being the better coverage guy, ends up having a handful of interceptions – that could be game-changing plays. Oh yeah. Now it yeah, is I would interesting not, because I would, both Kenny and OJ could contribute on special teams too. Yeah, I would not be surprised if OJ Burroughs is the best safety on mm-hmm. this team at the end of the season. No, I also though wouldn't be surprised. Like, what if Kenny Logan? Because he's been a good kick returner. I think he's been a very underrated kick returner. 
Um, what if he has a year where he has like two or three kick return touchdowns, right? That that can completely impact the game too. So I am very intrigued by what this, the, the final season of Kenny Logan looks like for KU. He's meant so much to the program. He's been a face of the program. He's been a quality player. Uh, what is it going to look like with another year here in Lawrence? One is the amount of defensive touchdowns that KU had last season. So that came and that was the one against West Virginia, right? Yes, it was the Kobe Ryan pick yep. six. They didn't have any. Didn't he have any, any more? Uh, they had. I mean, they had the, like the blocked uh, kick against kick Tennessee kicks. Tech, but that yeah. counted as special that teams. Count. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I, I would be curious if that number increases. I mean, you look at Kobe Bryant as the guy that can create those level, those types of plays. But you know, maybe you could look to the D line and say, what if somebody gets a strip sack, fumble, and scoop and score or something like that? You know, so. That's something they keep an eye on. Well, this uh, is not a number that typically is super high. Like last no, year, like I would guess like two or three is probably really good. It was six led the country. It was Iowa and Western Kentucky last year. Pittsburgh then had five. So if you have three or four, you're probably in the top fifty. I would. The guess. teams who had three were tied twelfth, but there were so many of them, you were top thirty-two. So yeah, if you get three of them, that's a great season in yeah. that regard. Yeah. Alabama had two. They were thirty-third. Right. Oh, so Alabama's trash. <laughs> But the reason I bring this up isn't to say, like, oh, this number is going to be way different or anything like that. I don't know. One extra one could be the difference in a game. But when yeah, I look I mean, at I KU's mean, the, personnel. The one that you did get literally won you the Yeah, exactly. It sealed the win for you. When I look at KU's personnel, Kobe Bryant being a ball hawking corner, OJ Burroughs, who I just mentioned, like Kenny Logan has been a pretty good ball hawking safety. I, I feel like that number could go up this year to maybe two or three. And maybe that swings you one extra game. Yeah. Well, like I said, and also, you know, maybe you get some pass rush involved and you're able to get a strip sack and, you know, one of the big guys gets the ball. Dude, there is nothing better than watching a D-tackle running with the ball the other you way. You just envision, awesome. uh, you know, Chris Berman announcing it. He's rumbling, yeah. bumbling, stumbling yep. as yeah. he's going it's, with it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it is it's, awesome. It's the best. Yeah. So I didn't have much on that set. I just, I don't know, kind of interesting. Uh, one is the amount of touchdowns that Savion Morrison had last year. Your oh, guy. You're my guy, Savion. So you're going over on Savion one and a half this year? I I, I want to go over, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I love I like Savion Morrison a lot. I legitimately don't know how big his role is going yeah. to be. Uh, it could be the same as last year. It could be possibly a little bit expanded. It could be even less, though. I mean, what if Dylan McDuffie is sort of the go-to third guy in the running back room. And now maybe if you're Savion Morrison, you might be getting like a carry every couple games, you know. I do think, though, what Savion Morrison has as sort of the trump card that I think the reason why he'll probably be getting the ball and getting some snaps is he has that game-breaking speed that I don't think any of the run- any of the other running backs really bring to the table to the level that he can bring to it. So if he's fully healthy and he has that X factor, you know, he's – He's the type of guy you want the ball on a jet sweep. He's the type of guy you want on a toss to the far side of the field where he can just sprint to a spot and beat everybody else to that spot. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think he will. I do expect him to have a role. He's the type of player that I think Andy Kolnicki will will have some plays drawn up for to say, hey, we get this guy the ball and he can you know really get going. He's got great speed that can really break away. So I, I hope to see him have an expanded role. As, as you know, I've been a big Savion Morrison guy for a long time, and uh, I want to see him – maybe continue to expand a little bit, but it's going to be tough. I mean, with with Daniel Hyshaw back and fully healthy, assuming, and with, Dan, and with Devin Neal, and again, with Dylan McDuffie, a guy that is already a bit familiar with the system because of his time at Buffalo, he could be somebody that maybe takes over that third spot and, and is more, you know, plays that. But again, I do think that because of Savion Morrison's unique skill set, he will have an opportunity to get the ball. I don't know what that role is going to look like. 
like I said, honestly, I kind of expect it to be maybe more of the same from last year. So if he had one touchdown last year, I would predict he probably will, maybe only has like two this year or three. I, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. Like the volume is not going to be there for him to get more than a couple touchdowns. Well, who knows? Maybe the first game he can get two. Like, if they're yeah, winning true, by yeah. enough, maybe yeah. he gets in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested by his role on special teams. So Kenny Logan led the team in kick returns last year. He had 12 of them. And we've seen Kenny Logan have – I mean, I mean, he had a, a good kick return in one of the big hey, 12 games you know last should, year. You know who should lead the team in kick returns this year? Nobody. No one. Be zero. Zero. Uh, Kenny Logan had kick return touchdown 2020. He had a long one in the finale in, in 2021. He's been a good kick returner, but because of his role defensively, you're not going to use him every kick return. Savion Morrison was second with six kick returns. So – Maybe that's an opportunity to get him extra touches, just continuing to advance him in that kick return game. Yeah, I'm interested in his role, though, because you're right. The, the game-breaking speed and talent is there. It's about putting the other stuff together. And if he can, like there is clearly a lot of talent there if they can find a role for him. Um, KU was plus one in one-score-slash-overtime games a season ago. I, I find that number very interesting because typically when you see a team like Kansas who is going from all these years where they won zero, one, two, three games, and then all of a sudden they bump up to being a bowl team, a lot of times you'll see it as just like, oh, a year they they happen to win a bunch of these one-score games. That wasn't necessarily the case last year for Kansas. You were only yeah. plus one in one-score games. This wasn't something where it was like, yeah, you just, you know, you had the ball roll your way in a lot of close games. I, I think that gives me more hope that, like, I don't know, it, it is more real what we saw last year. Well, the more you think about it, how many one-score games did KU play? Um, Iowa State, which they won. Yeah, that was their plus one. West Virginia, if we count that, because okay. it was a tie game in overtime. It was a tie game to go to overtime. In, in that sense, I it's a one-score game, right? Okay, fine. Sure. Um, if, if Kobe Bryant kneels on the right. So that's sure, two. Fine. That's plus two there. Duke would be plus three. Yeah, Duke. Okay. But then you lost to TCU. So now you're down to two. You beat Iowa State. Yeah, I mentioned that. So you're oh, down to two, and then you lose to Arkansas, so you're down to one. Now, theoretically, you could have counted the Baylor game, too, because that was 28-23 with like four minutes left. Yeah, and, and then I know like, the Texas Tech game was yeah. sort of within a score at times. But see, that's what I look like. Some years you'll see a team that goes eight and four, and it's like they were plus seven in one score games. It's like, well, that's not going to continue next year. Yeah. That didn't happen with KU. So it feels less fluky about the six wins, not that – I don't know, that we were challenging Yeah, not that, that. anybody yeah. has called it fluky. But. Yeah, but yeah. I guess my point is maybe you could have one of those special years where you do go plus three, plus four in one score games, and that's how you do get to eight or nine wins this upcoming yeah. season because it didn't yeah. happen last year. Um, one is also the amount of uh, KU football players who left early for the NFL draft last year, Lonnie yep. Phelps. Lonnie Phelps. How many yep. this year? That is That may be the best question I think we have right now in the preseason because if Jalen Daniels is Offensive Player of the Year, you would certainly think that he's got to take a look at the NFL. Devin Neal's going to have a chance. Devin Neal, possibly. If one of the receivers has that 900,000-year you know, receiver. Yeah, Lawrence Arnold, possibly. Uh, you go to the defense. I mean, what if Kobe Bryant has Kobe, yeah. you know, five, six picks? You go to, I mean. Jeremy Robinson, what if OJ, hypothetically, what if, what if, if he did break out? just breaks out. You know? Yeah, I think that one's tougher because he's, he's undersized, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not a big dude. Uh, so there's definitely, I mean, you know, there's four or five guys. If I set it at one and a half, would you take the over or the under? I would probably go under. Yeah, honestly, I think I would too. It's I just, mean, Devin Neal is a Lawrence guy, he's right. a program guy. I don't, I don't think he would leave. Jalen Daniels, I think, would have to have a borderline Heisman level season probably to get enough hype, you know, to where he would probably maybe take the leap. 
uh, uh, kind of the same discussion with you know Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm. One of those guys would have to have probably over a thousand yards and you know double digit touchdowns, I would think, to really have a conversation there. It's kind of the same deal with Kobe Bryant. He'd have to have a pretty big season. So you would need some huge seasons from a lot of guys for them to really even consider it, right? I mean, maybe Jalen Daniels does have a borderline Heisman season, but listen, you look at some of the comments he's made on the offseason, he, he's somebody who he had the comment uh, in the KC Star article about, you know, why would you leave why would you why would you leave to get a to drive in a Bugatti for a yeah. week versus, you know, the car that you've been with for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't whatever the exact comment was, basically saying, you know, I don't I'm not going to just ditch the program because we had one good season, essentially. Yep. So, I yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I would probably go under, though. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. we got our KU mailbag coming up next on RCST. Depend on it. Connor Becker is going to join us to help preview the high school football and sports season coming up in about 20 minutes from right now with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Before we do that, though, we got to get to our KU mailbag for the week. Thank you to anybody who submitted questions. You can submit questions for uh, next week at RCST1320 or via email RCST1320AM at gmail.com. All right, first up, this is from Hawkman. KU football is guaranteed an 11-1 season. But Kansas State is guaranteed undefeated, blowing out KU and winning the national championship. Would you take it? Yeah, I. So here's the deal. Probably the greatest thing about the Kansas State situation is the fact that they are one of two schools that does not have a national title in literally anything. It's 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 awesome. It's hilarious. It's funny. I laugh every time I think about it. So to just give them that, to give them a national title, I don't know that I can do that. So I, I think I'm saying no to this. I'm saying no. I don't want to get blown out by Kansas State, and I certainly don't want to give them a national title. Mm-hmm. So I would say no. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Hawkman also put this up for a poll. 74% said no. 26% said yes. I typically have a rule in sports fandom that I say, I don't really care about the other person. Like, give me my personal success. Sports fandom doesn't need to be about... But, dude... I know, those, I know, I know. Those, listen. I know, I know, I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I, I, I Typically, for me, it's just like, just enjoy about you. Like, who cares what the other person is doing? Just do what is most successful and fun for you. So, that would typically say yes. But you're right. This is like the one exception to this rule for me. Yeah, because I, listen, I, I can't deal with that. Those clowns over there, a couple hours west, all they do is pray and wish for the downfall of Kansas. Okay, so guess what? Right back at you. Screw you. No. <laughs> okay, I'm not letting you do that. Yeah, so I think I'm a no I mean, here those, too. They they go That's to bed at night. They pray to their shrine of Bill Snyder in their house, which is weird. And then they just dream about how they just wish KU would lose and everything. And so, you know what? I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Screw you. No. <laughs> I remember uh, the introduction to me for the rivalry. Because, again, I, I didn't grow up like KU fan or in Kansas or anything. I came to KU. I was a freshman in college. I, was, I, I went to, like, a party or something with, with some friends. or I don't know. Maybe sophomore year or something. Whatever. Um, and there was a, a kid there who's from K-State who knew somebody that was, you know, there. And uh, we're just all hanging out. Everybody's just talking, having a good time. All of a sudden, the guy just comes into the room. You know, KU sucks. We beat your butt in, it was like tennis or something. And he was just like talking about why it's a better institution in school. Nobody's talking about this. And at that point, I had the real introduction of like, 
what was so yes. annoying about this. Exactly. So that that was my introduction. You can just be hanging out. Yeah. And then they, it's like it's, it's like on their, talking about like it's general on their mind twenty four seven. They can't think of anything else. It's so weird. It's so terrible. All right, this one from uh, Jayhawk for life. Would you rather Bill Self or Lance Leipold leave KU first? Hmm. Well, I'll say this. I think prior to last season, the answer here would maybe be Bill Self. But with his health stuff, and now he seems reinvigorated, and he's you know seems re re-energized and wants to continue coaching for a while. I think the answer is Lance Leipold. See, I actually took this the other way. Really? Because well, think about it. Prior to last season, in your head, you were probably thinking Bill Self was going to end up retiring within the next two to three years anyways. But prior to last season, you also, at that point, the only tangible proof you had for Lance Leipold was, albeit um, an exciting finish to the season, still a 2-10 and ten season. Yeah, but again, I think it, the idea was if you only have, if you already know going into last season, if you already expected that Bill Self was probably considering, you know. But I don't know if you were at that point. He didn't have the health stuff. Yeah, but uh, but there was always that thing hanging. There was always that cloud hanging over the idea of he had made comments about how he didn't necessarily yeah. want to coach for that long. And so I think there was always that concern. So I, I don't think it'll be as good as it is now with KU basketball. I mean, this is the golden age of a golden age program. Um, but still, the basketball program to a certain point should be a self-sustaining enough program that you should be able to get another good coach in here. Again, will you win 14 straight conference titles? No. Will you be as successful and get all these one seeds? Will, yeah, will, will you be a one No, seed? probably not. No. But you should still be successful. You should still be a Final Four national title contender, whoever the next coach is. With Lance Leipold, I think with KU football, it is more of a head coach oriented program thing for KU where it's like you have to have the good head coach to be successful in football. So uh, I would actually say Bill Self on this one. Okay. Uh, this one from Josh. Who's a player you could see not starting week one, but starting week two? All right. If you look at the defense, I think JB Brown is a candidate. The Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers battle, whichever one of them is not starting week one, I think you could make the argument might be a starter week two. Uh, Obviously, I, I'd imagine this is minus injury. Okay, here's yeah. a sneaky answer. Well, I guess this would bring back in injury, but I was saying that more from a standpoint if somebody got injured in week one. Jalen Daniels? Probably not. What if Jalen oh. can't play in week one and he has to start in week two? I don't <laughs> I know. I mean, that's kind of a cop-out answer. I guess, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, when, I mean, when you look at the rest of the offense, it feels like the offensive starters are pretty well set. I mean, you're going to have Devin Neal. You're going to have Lawrence Arnold. You're going to have Luke Grimm, Quentin Skinner, Mason Fairchild, Jared Casey. It seems like the O-line is pretty set for the most part but you know I guess maybe if you wanted to throw out somebody from the O-line that maybe but again on the O-line on the O-line it's like if you aren't coming out of fall camp if you aren't already positioned to be a starter I don't know what you could possibly do between week one and week two to change you know what I mean to change that like if you aren't already a starter coming on the Mm O-line coming out of fall camp what are you going to do between week one and week two that's going to convince the staff Hey, you know, we messed up. We need to start this guy. Yeah. I don't know. So it's tough. It has to be somebody tough. struggling at the starting unit, right? Yeah. But even then, I think this staff has shown they're going to give you leeway. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they're going to let you play it out. Like, they're, they're going to view their evaluations over the course of the entire offseason and not just one game's not just going to change that for them. Like, they're going to, 
they're going to be like, okay, well, let's see what happens in week two then, right? Like, yeah. They're going to they're going to have patience, and that what is a, one of the best things about this staff. What about a Demarius McGee over Kalen Gerber? Yeah, if you count him as a starter, as like a nickelback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he's if you want to throw sure. him in there as your nickel starter, what if something like that? I don't think that would happen, but I think the clear answer here is J.B. Brown, and that's not even to say that I think that's going to happen, but he's your best candidate for somebody that has a big game in week one or, you know, whatever, and then they're like, you know, we need to get this guy on the field more right off the bat. I agree J.B. Brown is the top answer. I'm going to actually give you a second answer that we didn't bring up yet. Um, I could see in week one, because I, I think it's a very tight race for Hayden Hatcher and Austin Booker, who's going to start at that other defensive end. Who knows? Maybe even throw guys like, uh, I don't know, Davion Westmoreland and uh, who am I forgetting at the defensive end? Patrick Joyner yep. right, into that competition too. But I wouldn't be shocked. if Think about it from, from this standpoint. Hayden Hatcher is your program guy. He's been in the program for whatever, five, six years now. Yep. Um, I forget if he was a former walk-on that came in. And he yeah, has... He he uh, even said it himself when we interviewed him earlier in fall camp that he is old. Yeah. And he's been someone who has... You know, he's not six foot four, chiseled, 270 pounds. Yeah, he's not he's a had to flashy, really work at it, he's right? He's not a flashy player, but, well, I mean, Lance Leipold, I think it was Lance Leipold, made mm-hmm. the comment that he's, he's very reliable. Yes. And you have this older reliable player who is kind of what you want to embody in your program from every player in terms of work hard for your position. So would it shock you if KU was like, yeah, we kind of like the ceiling of what Austin Booker can be a little bit more, but we want to give that opportunity to Hayden Hatcher first because he's earned it. He's an upperclassman player. And I think it speaks well to the team if we say we start this guy. You know what I mean? Because it shows like the example of not to say that the other guys aren't working hard, but that, that the hard work over a long period of time can pay off. So maybe he starts week one, maybe him and Austin Booker rotate in, but then that potential and the athleticism of Booker shows out a little more, and they're like in week two, yeah, we're going to go to Austin Booker. I could see that happening too. But yeah, I think J.B. Brown is uh, the best answer there. Uh, this one from Chris. Actually, there's two from Chris. First one, today we are nine days away. He actually later re-upped it and was like, I forgot we're playing on Friday, so actually eight days. But regardless, now uh, because days. he thought it was nine, um, that's the number Jason Bean's wearing. Tell me your favorite plays um, for Jason Bean, I guess, over the course of his KU career. Hmm. I jumped, I jumped to, to yeah. the Oklahoma State touchdown run. Yep, that was one of them. I jumped to the Oklahoma touchdown pass to uh, Lawrence Arnold that was like into triple was coverage another, and yeah. got tipped. And, he and I it. don't really know. Is that, that's more of a highlight for probably Lawrence Arnold, to be honest. But it's still a fun highlight you remember. Yeah. Uh, I remember the TCU, the Quentin Skinner throw in the back of the end zone. Yeah. That one yeah. comes to mind. Um, also, the one where about- he scrambled around. The line did a really good job blocking. Also, the TCU game where Luke Grimm's just wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Oh, how about this one? Mm-hmm. The Texas Tech game. He throws it on a line into the back of the end yes. zone to... Is that Lawrence Arnold? Quinn Skinner? I think it was Arnold. Arnold? It was on the sideline. It was like a third yeah, down it was and like, super long. Yeah, but it was yeah, like third and goal, on like the 20. run laser to... Yeah, like a 25-yard pass. That was a good one. That was a good one. You know what? I also think about... <laughs> this is kind of a funny one. Um... The Oklahoma game in Lawrence in 2021, okay. when he scrambled his like a 20, 30 yard run, and he's like, he could have just easily gotten the end zone. And he just like walks out at the one yard oh. line. I don't know why that, that highlights are not in mind for me a lot. Yeah, I was trying to think of so, I was trying to think of plays from his first year starting, uh, but none really came to my mind immediately. But yeah, I mean, listen, everybody, every literally everyone, everyone you talk to says he's the fastest player on the team. Yeah, everyone, even himself. Yes. So uh, I mean, 
I don't know how many other programs have that to where anybody you talk to, everyone says the same guy. I think UCF probably is that way, interestingly enough. With uh, John Rice Plumley, yeah. Oh, really? They think he's the fastest guy yeah. on the team? Wow. But yeah, anyways, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many more, I don't know how many other programs you have to where it, no matter, you know, you independently ask everybody and they all give you the same answer. And it's the quarterback, too, yeah. on top of it to make yeah. it even more rare. Okay, this one also from Chris. Who is better, Puka Williams or Devin Neal? It's <laughs> a tough one. Interesting. They're very different running backs. Very different yeah. styles of running backs, right? Yeah. So when I think of Devin Neal, I, I've said this many times. I'll continue to say it. I don't think he gets enough credit sometimes for how good he is because he he just has such good vision, and he's such a good one-cut running back that he makes that cut, and he just accelerates so fast that sometimes he doesn't get enough credit, I think, for how good he is because it's he's easier a- to see the guy like Puka who – Gets the same amount of yards, but he juked by two guys, say, stiff armed yeah. another, and yeah. spun by someone Who, else. Who's going to get more eyeballs on them? The yeah. guy that juked three guys to get five yards, or the guy that you know makes one cut and is just a downhill runner and runs over a dude? For right, yards. right. So I, I do think Devin Neal's super underrated from that standpoint. Now I, I think it also gets difficult when you're ever comparing players in general, especially at the collegiate level, um, of trying to decipher more accomplished versus better. If Devin Neal does what he did last year, Devin Neal will become the more accomplished player. Right now, Devin Neal through uh, 24 games of KU football has 1,800 rushing yards, 5.3 per carry, and over 2,000 yards from scrimmage with 19 touchdowns. Puka Williams, over the course of 26 games, 23, almost 2,400 rushing yards, 5.7 a carry, 2,900 yards from scrimmage, 16 touchdowns. So if Devin Neal has another season like he had last year, he'll have more collegiate production. I do think this is not a slight to Devin Neal for me, though, because I, I think he is unbelievable. I would lean Puka Williams right now. Ask me again at the end of the season. I might change it to Devin Neal. Yeah. I just, Puka Williams was, was so dynamic. I would have loved to see Puka Williams in this offense. Yeah, he was just a really dynamic player. And, uh, you know, obviously the talent was there. There's no question about it. He was a guy that eventually made it to the NFL. Well, like, I don't even think the scheme that Les Miles was running was even conducive. Oh, for no, him. no. Yeah. They're, they're running toss they're running power trap and I formation. He's, yeah. he's a spread running back, you yeah, know? 100%. Imagine him in an offense where you're with Andy Kolnicki, where he's going to be moving him around the formation. You're going to get him the ball on screens and quick slants and use him more in the passing game. I mean, shoot, he, he turned into a receiver his first year on the practice squad of the Bengals. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, yep. Um, I, I think in a certain way, even though he was used a lot, he was probably misused in certain ways. But I go back to that freshman year, man, when he had like 300 yards against Oklahoma. And I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable player. Unbelievable yeah. player. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's no wrong answer there, though. And again, ask me at the end of the season. Devin Neal, probably the more uh, accomplished guy. OK, last one. This is from Jackson. Who has more this season? Jared Casey touchdowns or KJ Adams made threes? Mm, OK. Let's start with Jared Casey. How many touchdowns do you think Jared Casey's getting this year? What did he get last year? Four? Four last year, I think. Mm -hmm. I think he had four last year. That sounds right. Maybe five? Was it five? No, it was was four. It was four. Four? Okay. Year before, he had two. Four touchdowns. So let's say he's going to get five this year. Mm -hmm. KJ Adams made two threes in three games. In Puerto Rico. He also took three in three games. That would mean... So if he takes one per game... He's at 35 attempts. Realistically, in the regular season, he's probably shooting 30% or under. So let's say he so goes 10 of 35 so, or something. Okay, 10 That's threes. still 10. That's more than Jared. That's more than Jared But probably a significant but what if number. It's, what if he takes less? I mean, it's possible. Like, maybe he does it less. Maybe it's more mid-range shots. What if he goes so what if 5 of 20? 23. I don't know. I, I think it's definitely KJ here. 
You think it's KJ? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because, you know, KJ gets the luxury of playing in triple the amount of games. I'm going to add a caveat to this. What if I said tight end touchdown receptions overall? Fairchild had six last year. I think Casey he would probably four. take the tight ends at that point. I think it'd be close. Because tight, tight ends are probably 12. Getting, yeah, 10 to 12. KJ could hit that many. Again, if, if he takes, let's say he takes 39 threes and he goes 13 of 39, that's 33%. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I'd still take KJ. Okay. You just have more I'll, options to get the volume. I'll there. take the collected tight ends on that one. But okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not totally sold on KJ jacking up one three a game. <laughs> okay. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Submit any questions for next week at RCST thirteen twenty or at RCST thirteen twenty AM at gmail.com. Connor Becker helps us preview the high school sports and football season next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're a week away, not just from the first KU football game, but we're a week away from high school football in the state of Kansas. I guess technically, actually, we're six days away from the first high school football game for the local schools. Free State's going to be playing next Thursday. Lawrence High's going to be playing next Friday. We'll have the Free State game here on KLWN. LHS game because of the KU game will be on 92.9 The Bull. We're joined now by Connor Becker, who... Does a lot of high school football coverage for the Lawrence Journal World and at KUSports.com. Connor, appreciate you hopping on the show today. Let's start with the Firebirds for Free State, their game one day earlier. Does it feel like they're carrying over the momentum that, that they established at the end of last season, even though it, it ended shortly in the postseason? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like there, you know, based on how they finished and everything. And I think it was probably easy to lose track of them a little bit as after kind of the disappointing start, but they return a lot of good, you know, faces from that last year's team. Not a lot of the guys that made things happen maybe up front, but there's a lot of good leaders I think that are there. Um, I mean, if you look at a guy like Hank Fuchs, I mean, he's seen a lot of football <laughs> in his time there, and I, I and a lot of the kids around there are just kind of itching to to roll with it. And you know, it, it's a benefit that you return your your starting QB as well. So I think the pieces are there to carry that over, but ultimately it, it's going to be uh, you know the first one or two week thing before you see whether or not, you know, the, the puzzle is there for them to put together. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, Wesley Addison, the starting quarterback you mentioned. He comes back for his senior season, I guess. Do you think he can maybe take the next step to be that real leader and be a, a real impact player for them this season? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think he's been waiting to take that you know next step. I don't think he's broke a 1,000 yards passing, but, uh, I mean, in one season. But he's a guy that's played quarterback since he was a sophomore. I mean, he's a letterman, you know, as a, a second-year kid. Um uh, you know, I took a chance this summer to go out and talk to him. We did a little like senior spot, spotlight profile on him, and he's just so football focused, man. I mean, they got his, you know, personal trainer to to take on some sort of role there with the team as well. So I think he's really, I mean, it seems like he's playing his best football right now to me. I mean, the guy's a, he's a confident dude. Uh, what what players seem to be the top guys on the team and the biggest leaders beyond Wesley Edison? Well, like I mentioned before, Hank Fuchs, you know, a guy that's like, he's just, you know, all smiles, kind of everywhere all at once, if that makes sense. Um, you know, another another guy you want to watch this year probably be Devin Hamilton, you know, wide receiver that returns a lot of talent. And, and Braylon Preston, too. I think he's also going to kind of flush out the, the receiver room. Um, you, you know, running back-wise, that, that's kind of up in the air. But I think Grant Lincoln is someone that, you know, could fill that role. It's someone that Wesley kind of raved about over the summer, too, is, you know, this senior that's kind of waited for his chance, and now he gets it after, you know, playing kind of tight end and then switching back to running back a couple of times. He's going to be, uh, you know, probably your best candidate to take over the, the backfield. Um, so he's an emerging leader. 
Uh, but yeah, there, there's faces there, and I think as the season goes on, you'll see maybe some other guys pop up too. But those are a handful of guys that you should probably watch on Free State Ten. We're talking with Connor Becker from the Lawrence Journal World here. Uh, do you expect the offense or the defense to be better if you had to pick one of the units right now? Well, that's a tough, that's a tough one because I mean the, the defense returns so much experience, uh, but obviously the offense is what's going to get this this thing rolling. I mean, you return you know Wesley in the in the gun to kind of to run the whole show, but how can they orchestrate that thing without all the offensive linemen? I mean, you lose a guy like Calvin Clements over to Kansas, which is just a huge hole to fill. So I, I think they're going to lean on the defense a bit this year, but I think there's enough there offensively to get this thing rolling, but it could be a, a two-week, three-week thing before they really are hitting their stride. Uh, when you look at the schedule overall, I know it's kind of tough to figure out what everybody in every single high school has coming back, what they have and, and all that. But is there an expectation around how difficult the schedule is this year for the Firebirds? I mean, they open up the year with all three Olathe schools, uh, you know, Olathe West, Northwest, and East right off the back. And then they play Olathe North in their you know, season finale uh, down in October. So, I mean, it's not really the easiest opening schedule, but I think it's a real litmus test uh, in a way, too. They're not playing the, the, the toughest teams they're going to face all year. Um, obviously, you're going to circle that Olathe East on your calendar, circle that Northwest um, as well. So that's going to be kind of a, a rocky way to get the season, but I don't think you know Kevin Stewart, the head coach over there, would prefer anything less. I think he wants to throw his kids in the fire right away. That's just kind of the, the brand of football he's always had there. What other free state sports outside of football do you think could have really strong seasons here in the fall? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you're going to watch volleyball. They're always kind of a you know a state contender every year, year in and year out. I think last year they went to their fourth consecutive like state tournament, which is just crazy to me. Um, but you know, Jamie Savage does a good job with the girls over there. Um, you know, soccer too. I think they're you know a team in a really uh, you know tough Sunflower League. You know, I, I moved here about three years ago, and I never realized how tough the uh, the soccer <laughs> is in this area. I mean, they go up to Kansas City, and they just really have a tough time um, competing with some of the Kansas City schools, but Free State over the last couple of years has really kind of emerged to the middle of the table, and I think this year they have a chance to make a jump behind, you know, a guy like uh, Utah Hester, who's a kid that, I mean, the Baldwin kid that came over to Free State, I think, last year, and he's really uh, done a great job with the seniors over there. Um, I think, yeah, girls golf, actually, I, you know, have a couple of kids that were on the list. I think one of them was mentioned in, like, Keisha Covers, like, like they they put out a list of forty golfers to watch. I can't remember exactly their name. I think it was I think it was Merritt Hale, um, but I'd have to double check. So those three I think would be kind of cool to keep an eye on. Obviously, girls tennis. You know, Aaron Clark does a good job as well. Um, but yeah, I think there should be you know good slate of free state squads this fall. Switching over to the Lawrence High end of things, and again they'll open up the season a week from today. Uh, it seems like Clint Bowen and the team is is very high on its offensive line, especially at the the tackle position. How strong of a unit do you think that is overall? Oh, it's. I mean, they have two of the best in the state right there with you know, Will Hendricks. You know, uh, then you I'm trying to think of who's the guy's name. I think it's Elijah Hernandez. I think is up there as well. Um, and then Kem Allen, obviously, is a big you know returner for that uh, that offensive line. Um, so he's right to rave about it. I mean, these, these kids have put in the work for, for three. <laughs> Some of them have been four-year kids, you know, uh, that have been there before Clint arrived. 
Um, so in his third year there, I think he's going to expect some big things from his offensive line. Absolutely. At the quarterback position, they rotated a couple guys last season. What do you make of that quarterback battle? Are you expecting that to be more of the same, at least early in the season or, or throughout the year this year, or do you think they'll settle on one guy? Yeah, that's tough. And, and John Bates over from Kansas pregame called me over the summer to ask me that same question. Is you know what do you make of that? And honestly, it's it's tough because you know Tyson Grammer is a multi-sport kid. You know he's their DH on baseball, and he threw for something over 1,500 yards last year. But even that isn't enough to keep you know keep down Bowen's kid, uh, you know Banks, who came in last year at the I think it was the City Showdown. He had missed most of the year with a broken hand, and he was playing safety before that. But he comes to that game and delivers a spark, and you know, everybody in town can tell you about that. You know, great finale of a game it was at the end, heartbreaker for LHS. But um, you know, he came in there at the end of the year, and he continues to take snaps even into the postseason, and he gets great reps at Derby. Um, you know, traveling down to Wichita to play that game. So I don't really know off the top of my head. I think, you know, they're, they're probably going to, you know, run, I don't know, maybe swap them in and out that first week. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he pulls the trigger on a clear starter and runs with somebody, whether that's Tyson or Banks. I think it's really just going to be anyone's call at this point. Are there any players that have maybe flipped the switch this year that are emerging or that you, you know, being around practice or hearing from the coaches, you feel like could take another step or, or just kind of names to get to know this year outside of some of the ones that you've mentioned so far? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I mentioned Banks. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, kid to follow. You know, he's a third-year kid, and he's been behind Tyson. He's, you know, a great mentor, so obviously the QB thing is one to watch. Um, they brought in Taylor Stewart as a new assistant up, uh, to help out up front as well. So that'll be cool to kind of just see some new leadership working with that line and kind of working with some of the more intangibles of the offense. Um, offensive linebackers, I think, are going to be kind of the guys you're going to watch. Josh Galbraith, you know, Andrew Nelson, two guys that returned plenty of experience from last year. Um, thinking running back-wise, that's going to be a bit different. You lose two real big power rushers in Terrell Reed and Brayden X, so you're going to have to look to Mason Moseman, you know, and uh, a Jules Guard <laughs> to help out with that, the younger Jules Guard brother. I think mm-hmm. his name is not Truman. Uh, I don't remember his name, uh, his first name, but the younger Jules Guard brother will be also in that room helping out. Um, so yeah, the, the running back, we'll have to kind of watch and see how that works out, but, um, definitely there's some names on the offensive side to keep an eye on. So same question I asked about free state. Uh, do you expect the offense or the defense to be better for Lawrence? High? You know, I, I think, man, it's, it, it's tough because there's so many what ifs with the offense right now, based on that QB debacle. Um, but I think they're so solid up front that you're going to get you know, a pretty consistent offensive product they for this team. You know, the, the, even the running backs that they're working with, specifically Mason Mosman, you know, he got reps last year. You know, he, he worked he worked really hard behind two really great guys. And, uh, you know, Terrell Reed and Braden Heck, who played a lot of football at LHS. And, it, you know, when it comes to high school football, these things just pass down. And it's not until they get, you know, the reps that they, they start to play a lot better. But I, I think a guy like Mason will be one to watch. Um, especially on offense. So I would say keep an eye on the offense probably more than the defense. I, I think the defense will continue to improve. Um, but with the stacked offensive line they have there, I really don't think that it's going to get much better than offense. Uh, same thing for, for Lawrence High as well. What what other sports that are going on in the fall uh, is there to keep an eye on or do you think could have strong seasons this year for the Lions? 
Um, so I just went out to their volleyball showcase the other day. You know, they had that fall sports jamboree get canceled, so they kind of had a uh, you know an extra spotlight on them with you know uh, parents and students and stuff kind of hanging out in the gym, uh, watching them, and they look good. You know, they they come off uh, a year that was like a pretty disappointing start, but they went on to have this you know run to the substate title match, and they fell. Um, you know, they lost to you know, Northwest in two sets, um, but I, I think there's. You know, six seniors this year, and one of them, you know, uh, is a New Mexico commit. So they, there's some, you know, there's some hope there that they can get that first winning season for the first time in something like five or six years. It's been a minute for volleyball, um, soccer. They're kind of in the same position as Free State, uh, but it's different in that they're with a the first year coach. Joe Caparato was, you know, the girls' coach for the last two seasons. He just got the boys' job, so he's kind of taken over soccer. Period at LHS. Uh, and you know, big things are expected of him after last year. You know, they ended the year with seven straight losses. So, hopefully, LHS can kind of put themselves middle of the table and, and take the same step that Free State did last year. Um, cross country brought out a heck of a, a bunch of kids. I talked to Kyle Morgan and their coach um, about two weeks ago, and he was very pleased with you know some of the things that he was seeing there. Tennis, uh, you know, there, there's uh, Chris Marshall brings back, I think. Just, I think just three seniors, so it would be kind of tough <clears throat> girls tennis-wise. Um, and then I think some of the, the same rocky road will be found for the girls' golf team um, over at LHS as well. I, I think probably keep your eye on, obviously, football, volleyball, and soccer the most. But, you know, I, we're, we're going to – I wouldn't be surprised if we had some athletes of the week come out of the cross-country or maybe the tennis department. All right, that was Connor Becker. You can check out all his work over the course of the high school season in the Lawrence Journal world and at KUSports.com. Thank you to Connor for coming on the show. Thank you to you for listening to it. Uh, One hour down, two to go. We have three RCST football trivia matchups coming at you during the 4 o'clock hour. You're not going to want to miss a lot of drama in today's RCST football trivia. We also have some uh, KU football audio, KU rewind that we need to get to later on in the show. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST football trivia coming at you here. We've got three quarterfinal matchups as we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, Lawrence Shirt Factory, and Jayhawk Trophy. Uh, Two-seed Blake Farrell against 10-seed Brad Wandell in the Johnny's Wilson Burger Bowl. We have five-seed Skinner Wenninger against four-seed Jackson Schneider in the Johnny's Nuke Lelouch Bowl. And we have the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager Bowl between the eight-seed Kyle Martin and the one-seed Eric Hansey. Aaron Mayer, the 11-seed, has already won the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl and is waiting the winner of our first matchup today between Brad and Blake. Um, RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Lawrence Shirt Factory. They can hook you up with any custom gear that you need done on a t-shirt, on a hoodie, on a sweatshirt. They've got hats. They've got some of their own custom created gear that's really creative that you can check out in store. They're located right next to Munchers in Lawrence. Give them a try with uh, Lawrence Shirt Factory. So our first matchup of the day is between the 10 seed Brad Wandell, who's gone 3-1. and one. He's got 44 points. He's going to be taking on the 2 seed Blake Farrell, who is 3-0. and oh with 49 points. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash in the Lawrence area over on 6th Street here. And uh, you can get your car washed at Mr. D's Auto Wash. You can grab a bite to eat at your nearby McDonald's. All right, let's get into our first of three trivia matchups of the day as we uh, get closer to crowning a RCST Football 2023 trivia champion. 
Three quarterfinal matchups today, and this is the first. It is the 10 seed, Brad Wandell. It is the two seed, Blake Farrell. And Blake is coming off a bye after he went 3-0 and during the regular season. 49 points scored over that regular season. He was very close to being the one seed in this event. So, Blake, you had the week off here. What have you done over the last week? Have you done any extra prep? Have you just used a little extra time for rest and relaxation? You know, I've pretty much done nothing. I took the Tony Romo approach that one playoff year, so I'm not feeling too good about today. Hopefully I can squeak by. Okay. Um, well, this is the Johnny's Wilson Burger Bowl. So, uh, Brad, you had to get here by winning over the 17 Andrew Wymore in the 23rd Street Brewery Haney Turkey Stack Bowl. You already have one bowl win to your credit so far. Now you're moving on to the quarterfinals. You're facing a little bit higher seed. Uh, you're 3-1 and one overall. But really for you, it's been do or die the last two weeks because you had to win your last regular season matchup too. Now you win that one. Do you feel like you're you're in like a comfortable, uncomfortable zone where it is elimination, but you've kind of found your, uh, your swing in this area? Uh, honestly, Derek, not at all. Um, I'm happy I've been able to pull off a couple wins against some solid opponents the last few weeks, but it's definitely kind of a daunting task today looking across from a human KU football search engine over here. So I'm going to need the brakes to fall my way again, and I'm just hopeful the trivia guys are going to be on my side. All right, well, uh, let's see if, if they're on your side to start things off because you do have the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? All right, I'll take heads, please. All right. It is tails. So, Blake, you're going to have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go first. Okay, Blake's going to go first. Brad's going to go second. We're going to start in the easy round of questions. These are worth three points. First up for you, Blake. In KU's 2018 loss to Oklahoma, what Jayhawk freshman running back wearing the number one uniform Ran for 252 yards and two touchdowns. Puka Williams. Puka Williams is correct. Puka was unbelievable that game, and uh, that was the game that him and Kyler Murray just kind of traded blows with each other, but OU ended up winning in the end. All right, Brad, your first question. In KU's 2019 win at Boston College, what Jayhawk senior quarterback wearing number nine threw for three touchdowns? Carter Stanley. Carter Stanley is also correct, and uh, that was a game he almost got benched at one point, but then really responded, and uh, that was a really fun one for KU. All right, 3-3 three to three the score. We head to the second quarter. This is the medium question. These are worth six points. Back to you, Blake. What receiver wearing the number 88 uniform led Kansas in receptions with seven and receiving yards with 101 in the 2008 Orange Bowl? Exton Fields. Dexton Fields is correct. Yeah, it wasn't uh, one of the, the main guys that you might think of with, you know, Marcus Henry or some of the guys that uh, ended up being, you know, all-conference, all-American type guys the year or two after. But that is the correct answer for you, Blake. All right, 9-3 to three the score. Back to you, Brad. What linebacker who wore the number 40-4-0 led Kansas in total tackles with 12 in their 2008 Orange Bowl victory? Uh, I got to say Joe Mortensen. It's actually Mike Rivera. Mike Rivera this time on the correct answer. All right, so it's 9-3. to three. Blake, you lead it headed into the second half. Third quarter play, seven points. This one for you, Blake. In KU's 1992 Aloha Bowl victory over BYU, 
what Jayhawk kicker nailed the game-winning 48-yard field goal for a 23-20 victory? Dan Eichloff. Dan Eichloff is correct. No hesitation there from Blake, and that's a big hit to put you up 16-3. So, Brad, you need to hit one of these uh, next two questions to have a shot in the uh, extra round. So here is your hard question, Brad. Who earned MVP for Kansas in the 1995 Aloha Bowl victory over UCLA? Tony Sands. No, the correct answer to this one was the quarterback. It was one Mark Williams. Mark Williams, the correct answer there. All right, Blake, if you hit this really hard question, you secure the victory either way. Otherwise, Brad's going to have a chance to to hit a really hard and then hit a uh, fifth question. So your question, Blake. In KU's near victory over 21st-ranked TCU back in 2016, what Jayhawk recorded two interceptions? I hate these really hard. It's just a mind F. Um, I'll go with <laughs> Bates. The correct answer. That's not a bad guess with uh, Bazzy Bates. The correct answer is Brandon Stewart. Brandon Stewart had two interceptions, and KU's had a lot of games where they have almost beaten a ranked TCU team. Okay, Brad, that keeps you alive. If you can answer this really hard question, then you will get a fifth-round question answer. Otherwise, it'll just be over. All right, so Brad, do or die time. KU recorded one more interception in that game in which they almost beat 21st-ranked TCU in 2016. Who had the other interception? Uh, Fish Smithson. Correct answer on this one is Greg Allen. Greg Allen, a generic name, but he had a big interception. Uh, So we don't need the fifth round of questions because you can't make up the deficit at this point. Uh, but Brad, you fall short at sixteen to three here. Uh, question just didn't go your way. Was there was there I don't know a question that if you would have got the other way that, that maybe it would have worked out better for you? Or what's a question you look back on? And you're like, man, I wish I would have got that one. Yeah, I actually would have gotten both Eichloff and Dexon Fields. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. That's the first medium I've missed in regulation all season. So tough way to go out. But like I said, I ran into a good opponent as well. Probably wouldn't have won even if I did hit the medium. So. Best of luck to you, Blake. Hey, thank you very much. Blake, if if you would have got the Mike Rivera or the 1995 one with Mark Williams, would you have hit either of those? I would have got Rivera, and I could think I would have guessed Williams on that one. I wasn't. I was tossing that one around because I know we had some good running back showings in that game, but I would have probably said guessed Williams. Okay. Well, uh, Blake, you're moving on to the semifinals, and we already know your opponent. You're going to be taking on the 11 seed with Aaron Mayer, who's kind of gotten hot. Uh, I don't know. What are you going to do over the next week to to get ready for the matchup? Probably need to study more and look into some more stuff because I saw saw Aaron was was hitting some hard ones, so got a tough battle coming ahead. Yeah, that's for sure. Brad, I've been given anybody who bows out at this point in the playoffs, I guess one of the the added prizes. You have an open floor on the radio now. Do you you want to make any hot takes about KU football, win-loss prediction, or I don't know, just something you're excited for with the upcoming uh, college football season? Yeah, I think the offense is going to be fun to watch. Defense should make a little bit of a step forward, but I have us going 6-6, six and six, making another lower-end bowl game. Uh, I think we have a ceiling of nine wins, 
but I just can't trust the durability of Daniels yet. So I'm hoping he stays healthy and uh, we can eclipse that six and six and go a little bit higher. And one other thing, just want to give a shout out to Kansas Rugby and Johnny's Tavern as well. That's right. So. We just had their their uh, coach on the show yesterday. So, guys, I appreciate you being a part of this thing. And, uh, Blake, we'll see you next week. Hey, All right. Good everybody. luck, man. Uh, so that's that's tough for Brad. Anytime you, you knew the other two answers, I guess it is in the end. Uh, Blake knew I what he would have gone six for six through the hard round. So hypothetically, I, I think it is well that he advances and uh, he he was the higher seed over the regular season. But uh, that that is tough. The questions come out differently. You never know. Maybe they're still playing. Maybe they're in overtime with Brad. And and who knows? Maybe he's uh, able to get an advancement into the semifinals round. But that means Blake is going to be taking on Aaron Mayer. Um, to this point, Blake is now 4-0 and in trivia for 2023. And he has collected 65 points out of comparison Aaron has gone four and one he has 59 points but Aaron's been on a hot streak lately and uh, Blake's been one of our best contestants overall so I mean that's gonna be an awesome matchup it'll be the 11 seed Aaron Mayer versus the two seed Blake Farrell in the McDonald's Big Mac Bowl uh, we still have to figure out who's going to be playing for the McDonald's McNuggets Bowl because that'll be the winner of the eight seed Kyle Martin the one seed Eric Hansey and then the winner of the matchup between the five-seed Skinner and Wenninger and the four-seed Jackson Schneider to uh, duke it out. But that means we're down to six teams left who could win our 2023 RCST Football Trivia Championship here. Mike Plank was our inaugural winner last year. We already know we're going to have a new winner. Who will it be? RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in 2023, celebrating its 70th year anniversary. And you can try all of their locations from the original in North Lawrence, where you can be a part of the Neighborhood Porch, to now double-digit locations from Topeka to Raymore, Missouri. You can try all the great food like the Nucleus Pizza, the Buffalo Chicken Dip, the Wilson Wings, any of the great burgers. And you know with the weather heating up and, uh, you know, you know football season, you're going to want that ice-cold beer next to you. How about the Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. All right, our second matchup of the day is going to be between the eight-seed Kyle Martin and the one-seed Eric Hansey. It was a tight race between Eric and Blake all year long in the regular season to figure out who would get that one-seed. Eric ended up edging Blake out. We'll see if Eric can advance just like Blake or if Kyle can move on to the semifinal round, basically the phenomenal four football trivia, just as he did in the basketball version. RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, and Lawrence Shirt Factory. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Football Trivia right here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST Football Trivia here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN. We're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, and Lawrence Shirt Factory. We have two more quarterfinal matchups coming at you today uh, with Blake advancing to take on Aaron. That one already locked up. They'll be taking on each other next week in the McDonald's Big Mac Bowl. There are two spots open, though, in the McDonald's McNuggets Bowl. It's going to be the winner of our next two matchups. First, we're going to have the eight-seed Kyle Martin against the one-seed Eric Hansey in the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager Bowl. Against the uh, winner of that will face the winner of the five-seed Skinner Wenninger against the four-seed Jackson Schneider in the Johnny's Nuke Lelouch Bowl. And uh, that'll determine who's in that McDonald's McNuggets Bowl. RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy. With custom awards, custom engraving, they are 
custom engraving and awards experts in Lawrence, located right down the street from us on 6th Street in Lawrence. They also have a wide selection of other stuff you can get done beyond trophies and, and things that you would normally think of. So check out their wide selection online or in-store. Honestly, if you can think of it, they probably will be able to etch it for you or make a custom award, but it's beyond that. Like They have the, the tumblers they're providing us that are engraved with RCST. They have uh, like custom engraved, really nice binders you can get for someone. They have like model little Allen Fieldhouse stuff in there, so check them out with Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. Our uh, second trivia matchup of the day, Eric is a former winner of the basketball trivia. Kyle made it to the Phenomenal Four this year. Both of them have been mainstays in the basketball event. For Kyle, this is year two in the football event. For Eric, it's year one in the football event. And Eric has uh, had quite, I don't know, if you want to call it beginner's luck, I, I think there's a lot of skill involved too. 3-0 and with 51 points. Kyle, meanwhile, 3-1 and with 44 points. But Kyle's been rolling here. He had three points in regulation in the first week in a game he won 6-3 in overtime over Aaron Mayer. Since then, both Kyle and Aaron have taken off. So in the last three matchups, Kyle has scored 41 points. And uh, we'll see if Kyle and Aaron can prove to be, I don't know, at that point, I guess, if Kyle advances, then the Mr. D's Ottawash Conference is now viewed as the best conference because you'd have two semifinal teams between Kyle and Aaron. Um, So I I guess the opportunity to do that today here for the conference. Maybe maybe they'll be chanting, you know, Aaron will be listening to this chanting like they do with SEC, Mr. D's, Mr. D's, right? If if they win it, then uh, that'll be the case. All right, let's get into our uh, second matchup of the day. Couple trivia mainstays here in this one. Kyle Martin, who just made the phenomenal four in basketball this past season and has been a, a mainstay between our basketball and football events. Eric Hansey, who's been a past trivia champion in the uh, basketball event here and is in his first football event. And he's got a chance to, to be a champion again if he can win three more matchups. He's the one seed right now. Kyle is the eight seed. Kyle, I want to start with you. This is the uh, the, the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager Bowl. Have you done anything? Have you uh, gotten a little anything extra to, to get you prepared for this bowl? Well, well, Derek, I'm glad you, you asked me because I did uh, pick up a Johnny's Blue Collar <laughs> Lager uh, this morning. So... Uh, I don't know if it'll help me get to a, a, a Whoa, there's day a crack. Eric, but it'll at least make me feel better about a loss. So either way, we're in good shape. All right. Well, uh, if things, yeah, if things don't go well, you'll be able to sip on that. And everybody can check those out because they're now for sale, uh, not just at your local Johnny's, but they're going to be at some liquor stores by you. So be on the lookout for the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager. I've taste tested it myself, and I can say it is delicious. Uh, and so that could fuel Kyle to a win. Eric, do you feel left out that you do not have a, a Johnny's Blue Collar Lager with you and that you are uh, in a work setting right now? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got some serious FOMO and I'm ex- extremely jealous. But, um, you know, for successful today, we'll go to the ever coveted uh, McDonald's McNuggets Bowl, and I can certainly bring in some McNuggets to work if that works out. So. There we go. There we go. Lots to celebrate for for you guys. Um, now, Kyle, Aaron Mayer, who you played in the first week of the regular season, you it was 3-3 three to three at the end of regulation. You ended up winning 6-3 in overtime. Since then, you've gone on a roll. Since then, Aaron has gone on a roll. If you win this matchup today, you guys would be the only conference that has two people in the semifinals. Uh, is this like, you know, when you chant SEC, except you guys are the Mr. D's conference, so it's just Mr. D? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, that's that's what we've been doing. We've just been chanting that along the way, all the way through. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting first-round matchup. I don't think either one of us were, were ready to come into the season 
but since then, we've both, uh, win or lose, performed better. And, uh, you know, he, he we've played two years in a row. So I, I know Aaron uh, well. I know he's really good at this. And I'm not shocked at all that he, uh, he knocked out Isaac yesterday. Eric, uh, how would you compare this event to, to what you've been able to do in basketball? Well, it's, there's a little, I feel like, less stress because you've got the quarters and it's not a, a, a you know, you miss a question that you maybe think you got. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm out. You, you've got a chance to redeem yourself. But, um, I mean, the amount of homework that I'm trying to do to get up to speed with football history is uh, a lot. And um, that, that might be the other end of the stress spectrum, knowing that any question could be a complete black hole. Um, whereas basketball, I feel like, You've maybe got some steady eddies you can pull from. You've got your Dave Robishes. You've, you've got your Calvin Thompsons. Football, it's just a little harder to uh, to know who some of those people might be through the 70s, 80s, hell, even up until, until today. Yep. All right, Kyle, you're the lower seed. Do you want heads or tails on the coin? We'll go heads. All right. It is tails. So, Eric, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I will go second. Okay, Kyle, that means you're going to start us off here in the first quarter of play. These are worth three points in the easy round. Kyle, for you. First name, Kenny. This Jayhawk safety earned all Big 12 second team honors in 2021. Logan. Kenny Logan is correct. You did not get the bonus point for answering Kenny Logan Jr., though. But uh, We'll see if that holds you back. (laughs) All right. Your three-point question, Eric. First name, Devin. This Jayhawk running back earned all Big 12 honorable mention in 2021. Devin Neal. That's right, Devin Neal. And uh, there we go. It's 3-3. Three to three. We got through the easy round. All knotted up we go. Moving on to the second quarter. These are worth six points. There are medium questions. Back to you, Kyle. This Kansas quarterback from 1971 to 1973 is part of the Kansas Athletics Hall of Fame and once finished fourth in Heisman voting. Janes. That's right. David Janes is the correct answer. Threw it all around the field for KU. A lot of people think back to that uh, big Tennessee game that he had, even though they fell short. All right, nine to three. Kyle in front. Eric, let's see if you can match it. This Kansas quarterback won Big Eight Offensive Player of the Year in 1967 and later on finished seventh in Heisman voting his final season at KU. Bobby Douglas. Bobby Douglas is correct. Hadel is uh, a little earlier in the 60s. So that was a uh, good job narrowing down the process. And Bobby Douglas, the correct answer. All right, it is 9 to 9 at halftime. We move on to the second half of play. Third quarter questions are the hard round. These are worth seven. Back to you, Kyle. On October 24th of 1998, what Jayhawk running back totaled 268 rushing yards as part of a 33 to 17 win? Over 17th ranked Colorado. Winbush. David Winbush is the correct answer. That's a big hit for you there. You take a 16 to 9 lead. And the pressure back to you, Eric. Your seven point question. This Jayhawk kicker nailed four field goals to help Kansas down USC in the 1983 season. 
10 seconds. Five. Kalmeyer was a kicker. Bruce Kalmeyer, punter? Bruce Kalmeyer is the correct answer. You nailed it, Eric. <laughs> oh, man. Kyle, did you know the answer to that one? Over here. I did know that one. Okay. Yeah. So you were, you were hoping. You were feeling good there. <laughs> Eric, though, at the last second buzzer, ties it at 16. Yeah, we had the Dan Eichloff question earlier today. Eichloff and Kalmai are kind of the two big kickers from the uh, 80s and 90s that people remember. All right, on to the really hard round. It is tied 16-all. That was a big hit for you, Eric. Back to you, though, Kyle. These are worth eight points. Only trailing Tony Sands for most rushing yards in one game at KU was Nolan Cromwell, the former quarterback who had 294 of them on September 27th of 1975 against what non-conference opponent? Um, <laughs> Oregon State. Oregon State is the correct answer. How did you guess that? I, I I don't know. I know we played Oregon State. I've seen like the Sporkle quiz where it's like, here's all the teams that we've played against. I uh, my company's based out of Oregon. I don't know. It was a completely lucky guess. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a, that could be unfortunate for you here, Eric. Here is your really hard question. June Henley holds the KU record for most rushing yards in one quarter with 148 of them against who in said which year? Uh, 1993, and you have 10 seconds. Five. Texas? The correct answer is Iowa State. Iowa State, who we had the most rushing yards. All right, so 24 to 16. We do go to our fifth round. Eric, you have to try for really hard here, and then hope cool. Kyle misses an easy. So here is your question, Eric. This Jayhawk linebacker was all Big 8 in 1972. What's his name? Don't even get a number or anything, huh? Would it help? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 10 seconds. Five. Steve Towley? Correct answer is Eddie Sheets. Eddie Sheets, the right answer there. So, Kyle, you don't need a fifth-round question. You come through with a perfect score, a 24-16 victory. Um, I, I mean, in the end, that, that was unbelievable from both of you guys back-to-back. -back. Eric, I, I want to go back to the Bruce Callmeyer one. You came to that at the last second, uh, just kind of lobbed it out there. I, I don't know, what level of guess, like what, what was your confidence scale on you getting that one right? 
one percent. I mean, I he I know he's in the Ring of Honor and got the punter, or you know, he was an All American. So off chance, maybe he was a combo punter kicker kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I know we've had those guys in the past, so uh, n- nothing else was coming to mind. I, I can't imagine losing like this on on kind of a, a hail mary lob from Kyle feels good. Uh, no, but I've gotten to know Kyle a little bit at some of the KU events and he's a big, big fan and knows his stuff. So I'm, I'm going to have no shame in ever, uh, losing anything, uh, at him. So he, he, he nailed it and, uh, you know, would have liked to make him try to earn it with a very hard question, but, uh, honestly he hit it. He had earned it well before that. So Kyle, I, I still can't believe that you hit the Oregon state one. Um, I, are you going to, you going to be a big, big Beavers fan now, or I don't know, what's the celebration like? How many, how many blue collar loggers are going to be consumed today? Uh, I mean, I obviously the secret here was the blue collar lager. I mean, without <laughs> it, I don't get the lucky guess. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I know a lot of Ducks fans, but might have to, uh, you know, share the love across the Oregon schools. I mean, Oregon State could use a lot of love right now. Uh, they they need it. So no, total. I mean, like I said before, I, I I couldn't believe when you said it was right. I figured I'd just be throwing a name out there and you'd give me the typical. No, it was Middle Tennessee State. You know, whatever. I had no clue. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess I was due for a hail mary after all the, these years. I and that was it. Sorry, Eric. Well, everybody seems to get no one. Shame. So maybe Eric, yours is uh, coming down the road. Eric, I have been for people who get eliminated. If you want an open forum here on the radio, here's your chance. You have any? I don't know. Hot takes you want to get off your chest about KU football, win loss prediction, or just something you're excited for 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 this upcoming season. Well, if you want hot takes, let's go for it. Jalen Daniels, top three Heisman. He's in New York. We We're go. playing in the playoffs. And uh, Lance Leipold, coach of the year. So I'm all in on this team and uh, might be some some optimism. But uh, the coaching staff, the, the athletic department, everybody top to bottom is, I think, giving fans that optimism. So drink it up, man. I'm, I'm ready. All right. Love it. Well, guys, I appreciate you both being a part of this. And, and we look forward to hopefully seeing you in the spring for uh, basketball. Eric, Kyle, we'll see you next week. That was good. Thanks, Eric. Yep. yep. See you guys. Wow. Wow. So, so Kyle ends up winning. So, yeah, I guess they are chanting Mr. D's uh, outside. Bunch of We have a bunch of fans who have stormed the window and are uh, chanting and saying it is the most dominant conference ever. They have two semifinalists with the eight seed Kyle Martin and the eleven seed Aaron Mayer, and maybe that's the reason both were under seed. They just they just had a tough conference, so they got underseeded a little bit. Uh, that's a tough way to lose, though, for Eric. I, I, I certainly feel bad. Um, I guess you could say that. Well, I, I don't even know. I, I don't know. That that was really tough. That was really tough all the way through. I, I'd be curious to know if if uh, Eric would have gotten, I, and I should have asked him this. All of Kyle's questions would he have hit the uh, the David Winbush one? And uh, would he have hit the Oregon State one? But uh, I, I don't think anybody was getting the Oregon State. I think that was uh, just a good guess by Kyle. And as much as, as trivia, you know, and as much as this event, specifically because there are more questions, does factor out the random a little bit more than, like, say, the basketball one we do? At the end of the day, there still is a randomness element to this, which on one hand, you know, I don't know, from a competition level, there always are certain things that are random that you don't like, but to a certain standpoint, you do like having a bit of randomness because it does create variety, it does create drama, it does create things that make it unpredictable, and uh, a once-in-a-lifetime guest there for Kyle, so congrats to him. He's moving on to the semifinals. We know Eric is more than good enough to win this event, and 
this was year one for him, so who knows? Maybe next year he'll uh, go a little bit further and win it all. So that means Kyle is in the phenomenal four for basketball, and now he's in the semifinals for football. That is a heck of a run this year for him overall. He wins the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager Bowl. He'll be f- uh, facing off against the winner of Skinnerd or Jackson in the McDonald's McNuggets Bowl, while Aaron and Blake will face off in the McDonald's Big Mac Bowl. Let's find out who he's going to be facing in our final quarterfinal matchup coming up next. Skinnerd Jackson in the Johnny's Nuke Lelouch Bowl. This is RCST and RCST Football Trivia. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Lawrence Shirt Factory, Mr. D's Auto Wash, and uh, we will be back for that final matchup on the other side on KLWN. Depend on it. Our final quarterfinal matchup for RCST Football Trivia for 2023, and then we'll be into the semifinal round after that. It features the five seed, Skinner Wenninger, who is 3-1 with 50 points. The four seed, Jackson Schneider, who is 3-0 with 35 points. This is the Johnny's Nuke Lelouch Bowl, which is a delicious pizza you can get at Johnny's. Winner's going to move on to the semifinals in the McDonald's McNuggets Bowl. Jackson, let's start with you. You had a week off. Have you used any of that extra time to prepare and get ready for this week? No, not at all. I probably should have, but... Um, we we are here and we're ready to ball today, though. So we'll see if the rust is is a factor. Skinnerd, for you, you did not have that bye week. You won in the uh, first round of the playoffs over your 12 seed. How are you feeling for this matchup today? Well, I did my deed this morning and got an iron butterfly out of my stomach. Okay, there we go. All right, Jackson. Um, for you, this is. You know, a season where you were perfect in the regular season, you knocked out our defending champion. Do you feel more confident now in the playoffs than when you first entered trivia at the beginning of the regular season? A, a little bit, but I, w- I got to be honest, I would be a lot more confident if I wasn't playing Skinner because I've listened to all his matchups in the past, and this was the matchup that I did not want because I think that he's that good, and I'm worried about my chances. Skinner, do you have a favorite all-time KU football player? Uh, well, because he was my, he is my cousin. Uh, I would say Roger Robin and his father, Robert, but I did like, uh, the diesel, John Riggins. There we go. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to get into the matchup. Skinner, you are the lower seed, so You do have the option on the coin toss. Do you want heads or tails? Flip heads, dude. All right. I listened to you. It was heads. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to go first or second? What do you want to go, Jackson? I'll, I'll go first if you want. Absolutely. I'll take second. Okay. Last week it was the Deal. fake out, so I, I was curious if he was going to do that again. Okay, this week, though, Jackson, that means you're first, Skinner second. We're going to start in the easy round. These ones are worth three points. Jackson, facing off against a Big Ten opponent, this, the Jayhawks ran for 400 yards in a 2018 non-conference home win against what team whose primary color is red? The Rutgers Scarlet Knights and Arthur Sitkowski. That's right. I have a very bad sunburn that I still feel from that game. <laughs> I think Rutgers probably feels worse from that game for the uh, emotional loss that they had to deal with. Skinner, your first question. Facing off against a Big 12 opponent, 
The Jayhawks ran for 348 yards in a 2018 conference road loss against what team whose primary color is red? Texas Tech. Correct answer is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. The right answer on this one. And for a ton of yards. All right, so Jackson, you've got a 3-0 lead through the first quarter. We're going to move to the second quarter. These are worth six points now. Kansas had four defensive backs earn all Big 12 honorable mention honors in 2018. Name one of them. Oh, gosh. Fish Smithson? Fish Smithson is not one of the correct answers. So it is 3-0. Skinner, do you have a chance to take the lead? Here is your question in the medium round. Kansas had, th- had well, I guess four defensive backs. It was going to be three others. Earn all Big 12 honorable mention in 2018. Name one. Kenny Logan. That is also incorrect. The correct answers were Mike Lee, Corian Harris, Hassan Defense, and Bryce Tornaden. Those were uh, any of those answers would have worked for 2018. All right, it is three to zero as we head to the second half of play. Defense is showing up in this one. Back to you, Jackson, into the hard round worth seven points. This KU defensive lineman led the Jayhawks with 10 tackles and two sacks in their 2006 win over Kansas State while also scoring on a scoop and score in the second quarter. I did not study this at all. Johnson. Correct answer is Russell Brorson. Russell Brorson with the big game to help KU beat K-State in that one. All right, Skinner, you got another chance to take the lead here. Your question. Kansas led Missouri 10-7 in the second quarter of their 2008 meeting and extended the lead to 12-7 with a safety on a sack recorded by what Jayhawk? Repeat the question. Kansas led Missouri 10-7 in the second quarter in 2008 and extended their lead to 12-7 with a safety on a sack recorded by what Jayhawk? And the season was 07? It was the 08 season. 08. Five seconds. James Holt. Correct answer is Jake Laptad. Jake Laptad, the right one there. All right, it's 3 nothing going into the fourth. Jackson, if you can hit this and Skinner misses it, it advances and we don't have a fifth question. You're a really hard question for eight points, Jackson. This Jayhawk linebacker won Big 8 Defensive Newcomer of the Year in 1987. <laughs> We've got ourselves a real Big 10 West matchup going on here. What year was 80s? What? 87. 1987, Big 8 Defensive Newcomer of the Year. He was a linebacker. 
This was Johnson. (laughs) Hey, can I answer it? Can I answer it? It doesn't count for (laughs) points, but yeah, you can answer it. I know. Curtis Moore. (laughs) Uh, It would have been Curtis Moore. Unfortunately, that is not your question, Skinner. But you do get the... Well, I know. Yeah. You get the, uh, I don't know, the... The, the crowd points, I guess. All right, here's your question, I think Skinner. he gets the win. <laughs> this Jayhawk linebacker won Big 8 Defensive Newcomer of the Year in 1988. Hey, okay, let me ask you something real quick. Curtis Moore was correct on the last one, right? On 87, yes. 1988. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Oh! The correct answer no is Daryl Boykin. Daryl Boykin. The right answer there. All right, it is 3 nothing. So that means, Skinner. You have the choice here because you're losing. We go into our fifth question. We've only had to do this a uh, couple times here in the the quarters. What would you like to answer a question out of? Because keep in mind, you at least need to answer an easy to tie it, but a hard would give or a uh, medium would give you the lead. If you answer medium, though, Jackson, all we'll have to do is answer an easy to force overtime or get a medium for the win. Then again, even if you answer really hard, all he'll have to do is get a medium for the win. So, what would you like to answer out of here? Hard. All right. He's going to go for the hard. All right, Skinner, your question. This Jayhawk became the first player in NCAA Division I-A history to record a 99-yard run. Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers is the correct answer. Gail Sayers with a 99-yard run. All right, that's a big hit for you there, Skinner. You take a 7-3 to three lead. That means, Jackson, you can no longer hit an easy question just to force OT. What do you want to go for here? So if I, I get a medium, I win. You would right? win 9-7, to seven, yes. Or you can answer hard okay. or really hard for fun. Uh, I'll go with medium. Okay. Medium it is. All right. Here's your question, Jackson. Two Jayhawks are set to wear the number five uniform in 2023. A safety and a receiver. Name one. I'm playing on the road here. The uh, cleaning people are are making noise in my ear. Number five? Oh, yeah. Blame it on the cleaning people. That is not an excuse. Trust me. Um, Number five. Is that a safety and a receiver? Yes. Lawrence Arnold. Lawrence Arnold is going to be wearing number two. The correct answers are OJ Burroughs and Doug Emelian. And just like that, Skinner, at the last possible moment, has come through with a 7-3 to victory. Uh, Frank Beamer throwing his hands in the air on this one, but he comes through. <laughs> Skinner, uh, thoughts on getting through on a lower-scoring battle here? Uh, I'm going to the courthouse tomorrow and change my last name to Schneider. <laughs> S-N-Y-D-E-R. <laughs> Jackson, man, uh, is there a question that that you look back on and you're like, how did I miss that? Or I don't, I don't know. 
No, I I did my annual or weekly cram sesh and I just didn't study anything. And I think when I beat Mike, I got really lucky because I got asked questions of things that I had just looked at and I had no chance in a lot of these. And I, I had a feeling this might happen with the rust, but you sometimes you just uh, you just suck. And that was me today, unfortunately, in the postseason. Well, you made the playoffs in your first go-around, so that's a good thing. Skinner, you're moving on to the uh, semifinals, so congratulations on that. Are you going to do anything differently to get ready for, for next week's matchup? Yeah, I'm going to go streaking and run the Jericho Mile tonight. <laughs> okay, we'll see if that helps you out for next week. Uh, Jackson, I've, I've been, for anybody who gets eliminated in the playoffs, I've been giving them an open forum to uh, you know, talk a little KU football. Any hot takes that you have, win-loss prediction, just something you're excited for with KU or college football in general coming back, uh, open floor here. Oh, I'm just extremely excited to watch Jared Casey play football again. <laughs> Big fan of that guy. Um, I submitted you guys a mailbag question actually involving him because he's awesome. Uh, so very excited to see see the pride of Plainville, Kansas on the football field again soon. There we go. And uh, I echo that sentiment as well. Well, guys, I appreciate you being a part of this. And Skinner, we'll see you next week. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we're going to have, uh, in case you missed it earlier today, our RCST replay with Connor Becker previewing the high school football season coming up in our next segment here. Week from today, we'll be out at Big Mill. How about that? We're going to do our whole show from out there. Yep. Oh, I'm very excited for yeah. that. Uh, we're going to be out in the blazing heat. You know, we've been... We, Please two, tell for, me it's not supposed to be too as too long. For too long, we have been stuck in our cozy studio. <laughs> it's time we go out and be men of the people. Get out. Be out with the people. We'll be live. Yeah, we need a little adversity facing the weather, facing yes. the elements. Yes, we do. That's what we're going to be doing. I don't think it's supposed to be as hot next week. Oh, you guys are going to be in your, your cushy office chair and your nice air conditioning. We're going to be, might be on your way to the game. grinding. You might be on your way to the game. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. if you are, <laughs> got to come stop by and see. We'll yes. be there. Come yeah, stop so, by and So we'll be there us. at 3 to 5.30. Specifically, though, we're going to be joined by the KISS crew from 4.30 on, and the KISS crew is going to be there from 4.30 to 6.30. Um, our show is going to be 3 to 5.30. The last hour will be our KU tailgating show at Big Mill. It's right on the way into the stadium, 9th and, and Mississippi. Can't miss it. Yeah, you can't. And Big Mill's got great food also. Yes, so great food. we got cocktails. Fuel, right. Pre-game fuel. Get beer some on tap. pre-game, pre-game mm-hmm. buzz going. Yep. You know, who I would recommend one of buzz. their Detroit-style pizzas, but you can honestly split it with somebody else because that, that thing, it'll fill you up fast. It's delicious, though. Um, so that's, you know, meal for two right there with one pizza. It's going to be cheaper than buying stadium food, right? And right. it's going to be more delicious. You want to take a guess on the current forecasted high for next Friday? Oh, gosh. I'm afraid of this. As long as it's like, please be like high 80s. 94. Uh, don't love that. That's not that bad. No, it's not as bad as it is right now, but it's still not great. But uh, but you you tend to sweat more, I think. I right? do, yeah. yeah I'm so a sweater. That's tough. Yeah, yeah that's I tough. don't love that. I don't love I've that at all. I've become a sweater too, not one bit. I used to not really sweat that much when I was a kid. And then now I, I sweat more. Yeah, Dude, I, I, back I was always sweat a big will sweater. Be the but death of me. See, I, I hate back sweat. Yeah. Back sweat. <laughs> there was one thing that I could just make go away for the yes. rest of my life back sweat. No, mom, I love you, but the jeans you pass down with the sweating, I'm not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. Um, so, anyway, we'll be out there. And uh, when the Kiss crew's there from 4 30 to 6 30, we're going to be giving away free stuff. We're going to have yeah. some t shirts, probably some leftover like RCST trivia t shirts. I know the t shirts we're going to have for a majority of the tailgates. I don't think they're going to be in just yet, unfortunately. A uh, bit of a, a 
a backlog there. We will eventually have new t-shirts to give away, but we do have some still old ones that we'll give away. We're going to have, have a bunch of other prize stuff to give wheel. Away too. We yeah, got prize yeah. wheel. And in case you maybe don't we're have, have NASCAR yet. tickets. Yeah, we're going to have NASCAR tickets. Yeah. In case you don't have tickets yet to the, the, the KU game, we might have some KU football tickets. We will have some KU football tickets, yes. That is guaranteed. You know. I don't know how many. Probably won't be a ton, but we will have KU football tickets. So, yeah. But uh, where it is, you might have to answer a trivia question to, to win them. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that I have noticed in the past is if you send up your child, then we will give them a softer trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, somebody's daughter came up and the, like question we had ready. The big, all like, big six in nineteen twenty. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe we don't ask this one to the seven-year-old little girl. <laughs> um, you know, so I guess there's a way. There's a way. And now that uh, I'm going to be a future dad, I don't know. Maybe I have more of a soft. True, yeah. Are you going to go soft? I will. Are you going to go yeah. soft? If on you me? send your child up for tickets, I will go soft on <laughs> on uh, on the questions. Okay, Uh, so we do have to get to our Jayhawk football rewind, but please come out to Big Mill. Even if you're just stopping by, you can stop by for like two seconds. Just say hi. Yeah, Yeah, just say hi to us. Yeah, we'll be there. We love it. Um, Okay, our KU football rewind for this week. We only have two more of these, and this is the regular season finale. KU, K-State. Next week, I'm excited to do the KU-Arkansas one next week. It's going to be wild. It's going to be fun, right? Even though they lost the game. Now, this one isn't totally fun because you still lost. You lost by 20 points. You lost to your in-state rival, all that sort of stuff. But there still are a lot of positives you can take away from this KU State, K-State game that happened yeah. in Manhattan. This was an interesting game. I think going into it, there was a general sense of positivity. Now, there was the questions about Jalen Daniels. You had just lost big to, or, uh, yeah, you just lost big to Texas, right? The game yeah, before. and he did not look the same. Yeah, so there were some questions there about his health, about what that would look like with the rest of the offense. You're going out on the road to play K-State. You haven't won there in 9,000 years, so it's pretty sad. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I felt, I, I think for a lot of KU fans, I think going into this game, it was more about let's just go in there and give them a game because there's been a couple of games over the last half dozen years between KU and K-State where you were hoping it was going to be a good game and then you just get crushed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the one that jumps to my mind the biggest is, uh, I think, Les Miles' first year. I think twenty nineteen. They had beat Texas right? Tech the year before. Yeah, they beat Texas or they, they beat Texas Tech the week before, uh, and then you know so there was a lot of energy. It was a sold out crowd for the Kansas State game. People were really excited about it, and Kansas State just abs- it was it was one team showed up and that was it. No, the KU Kansas offense had, not even there. had nothing that game. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was like thirty eight to three. Yeah, thirty eight to ten. Yeah, and I I, I heard but, I mean, stories. In it the was aftermath. a just complete annihilation. Yeah, like the, it was not even a contest. Yeah, I heard stories in the aftermath because that was Brent Deerman when he was like kind of jumping on the scene. I heard stories in the aftermath that K State was like weeks in advance reaching out to different NAIA schools from his time because he he was uh, the head coach or whatever at Bethel, which was a uh, uh, one of the Bethels. There's two of them at the uh, NAIA level. It's confusing. I know. Um, for like tape from the NAIA level, like they were really digging in deep, and I was like, oh, okay, well, they got a good read on on yeah. him clearly more. So than I like think Texas basically, did. I think basically, KU fans were hoping for not that. Like let's yeah. let's let's go in there, <laughs> let's play a, let's play a good game, let's be competitive. Maybe not necessarily expecting to win on the road, right? But Especially because K State was really good last year. They won the Big Twelve. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So you go into the game, and I I think. Outside of like the could you be competitive, you did want to see what Jalen Daniels would be like. There were maybe questions about who were going to be healthy at running back. Um, you also felt like you were fading a bit toward the end of the season. And, and after the Texas game, you did want to see the bounce back even more to the competitive level, not just from the in-state rivalry and, and what you mentioned, but also yeah. because you didn't want two straight weeks where you kind of get blown out at the end. Uh, so you go into the game and... The first drive of the game was perfect. Yes. It was great. It was. It was awesome. It was uh, about nine. Do you? I I did not remember the the line being this close. 
Do you remember what the uh, I, I have I it think in front it was of like me. seven? It was twelve. Oh, okay, which there weren't a lot of games KU was double digit underdogs in, you know. But no. still, like ironically, the West Virginia game I think was one of them. Um, but still, you know that that was that was. But yeah, so uh, first drive of the game, K State just slices through you. No, 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 no. Or I'm sorry, no, you get them to punt. You get them to punt. Yeah, that's right. You get them to punt. The first drive three was great. Out. Three, three and, and out. out. You're feeling awesome. You are. And then. Here comes special teams. Yep. Unfortunately, your offense never had a play. OJ Burrows tries to field a punt at his at, at his own at his five, own five. Yes. and he drops it. And K State gets it back, yes. and they score on the next play. Which a couple no nos. One, don't drop a punt. Two, don't field the punt at your own five. That was problematic. Now I do think OJ Burrows has some potential as a punt returner, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him this year in that position. Yeah. Uh, but still, but that was a big moment. You yeah. spotted K State seven points. Yes, because they scored on the first play of the next drive. Yes. One play, five yards, Malik Knoll scores, mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, crap. Like, we just got a three <laughs> yeah, and out. Yeah. It was perfect. You get a three and out, and then pff, that happens. Yep. Terrible. I mean, that was classic, classic K football. Yeah, that it was. roared its ugly head in that moment. Yeah, so that wasn't great. Now, what else was classic KU football last year, though, was responding. Responding, facing adversity well, and not letting one play turn into a series of events that killed you, maybe outside of the Texas game. Yeah. Um, you responded. You give credit. The next drive, KU goes down, nine-play, 75-yard drive, and you end up scoring a touchdown, a 12-yard run by Tory Lachlan. This yeah. was a game that because of some of the... I, 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 yeah, I was one running back. One. So yeah, Savion Morrison and, was sick. Yes, that's what it was. Kai Savion, Thomas was injured. Kai Thomas was injured, and Dan, Devin Neal was also yeah, I think, he was both, banged up. both sick and injured, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> the ultimate combo. Um, all, all, it was just it was down to Tory Lachlan. Yeah. Yeah, and at that point, obviously, Daniel Highshaw was, was out for the year, right? So, yeah, you were down to Tory Lachlan at, at that point, but he filled in admirably here. Uh, then Kansas State... This time they just go down and score easily, but it, it wasn't as easy as it could have been. Again, this is another backbreaker. It's seven to seven. You have Kansas State on a third and eleven. Ben Sinnott catches an eleven-yard pass for a first down. Um, then they end up scoring on a forty-two-yard touchdown pass later in the drive. So, I mean, that was one thing that that reared its ugly head. I think for a lot Kansas last season, especially in the back half of the season, the defense was able to get to a. Not a lot, but a decent amount of like third and long, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven. How many times did they give up a backbreaking third down on those third and longs? Like the Baylor game comes to mind when they scored that touchdown on the screen pass on like third and fifteen or whatever it was. That was a moment there that you look back on and you're like, yeah, if they can just be better on those third and longs this year, maybe that could be something. But anyway, um, then you end up um, having a safety the next drive because um you had a I don't kick return what happened on the safety to be honest i just remember you had a kick return that Got i don't know if there was a holding or there was what. a penalty yeah yeah so you ended up having the ball at your own like 10 yard line and then you had a false start and then you had like a holding in the end zone or something yeah, like I'm that you're looking that at ring a bell yeah you're looking at the game log i'm looking at the, the game, game log is messed up the game log yeah. doesn't really do a good job of explaining no it said this is what the game like, log said <laughs> It says uh, first and ten at KU five, false start to the three. Then it says kickoff, Kansas return for nine yards to the zero. Then it says first <laughs> and twelve, Devin Neal runs for three yards. Then it says second and yeah, nine, Jalen Daniels this, passing I complete safety. This, I wiped this from my memory. Yeah, I don't know, but they had a safety. I think it was holding <laughs> in the end zone or something. Well, I think you're right. I think Bryce Kibble held in the end zone. Yeah. yeah. So it's sixteen seven at that point. So at this point, you're down sixteen seven to a top twelve opponent, and you're like. 
We are just giving them the game. We have fumbled the ball on a punt return. We yep. have given up a third and 11 and then Penalty a blown the coverage zone. that led to a 42-yard touchdown. Yep. Penalty in the end zone. Like, everything that is going wrong is going wrong. And then Kansas State, the next drive, um, ends up scoring another touchdown. And guess what? They had another third and 10 conversion. They have a 13-yard pass to Cade Warner, and it's 23-7. to Again, though, that theme of, of Kansas fighting back comes through. 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. It's 23-14. Uh, this drive was it was a killer. You're down 23-14. You have Kansas State backed up to a third and 12 at their own six-yard line. Yeah. 80-yard pass to Deuce Vaughn on a screen. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was painful. Yeah. So now there's three like, for three was, on third and that, 10 or longer. That play was like watching a train wreck. Yes. It was like you just – it was just – And they just had like worse. two chances to tackle him before yep, the first it just, down. It yeah. just kept getting worse. It was like a – it was like a horror movie that you couldn't stop watching. <laughs> no, you couldn't. Because of how terrible it was. And again, at that point, they're three for three on third and ten or longer. Like, it's teams are going to convert some third and tens, but that should be one for three, right? And if you get them off the field two of those times, then at that point, instead of it being 30 to 14, it's 16 to 14. And that's even with you making all those other mistakes. Again, though, Kansas loved the competitiveness. They go down, get another touchdown. It's 30 to 21. Uh, you force three and out. Unfortunately, you three and outed, and that was probably a big opportunity to um, maybe cut into that momentum a bit. But then Kansas State fumbles. This was the strip sack by Lonnie Phelps. That was a huge play by him. And that was really the moment for me where it was like, okay, if they're going to win this game, if they're going to have a chance of winning, you have to take advantage of this. It's 30 to yeah. 21. There was like a maybe a little less than two half. minutes left yeah. in the in the first you half. You have it on 32, so decent Go get position. some points or something before the end of the but half. But if you remember, this was one of those weird things. Devin Neal ran it on first down for a yard, and they just kind of let the clock bleed. Um, and then eventually they three and outed and had a 34-yard punt, which was not great. Um, so you're going to halftime down 30 to 21. But which, like, on, like, yeah, just looking at that on, hand, on its it own, it been doesn't worse. sound that bad. But no, it doesn't. You you gave away free seven points. Yeah, and then you had a safety on a block, kind of giving away holding in the end points, zone. Yeah, you you gave away multiple possessions with long third down conversions. So you feel kind of deflated. Still, yeah, even though you're yeah. Down on one nine. hand, you're like we probably should be down more than nine. On the other hand, you're kind of like man, we should be winning this game, and that's yeah. kind of deflating, right? Yeah. Um, and for a game where you're going on the road against a top twelve opponent and trying to pull the upset. You have to take advantage of those. Like you have to be winning in that situation, and that was something too that I I, I do think as much as the defense got crap uh, over the course of the season because they they struggled a lot of times. There were moments over the course of the season, whether it was the Oklahoma game or the Baylor game or this game against Kansas State, where even though the defense did not play well, they did at least have moments of playing well. Where like again, you you look at these these drives for Kansas State three and out forced fumble, then end of half, and then you getting the ball in the second quarter, that means you had three drives with a chance down 30-21 to 21 to try to make it a one-score lead and capitalize on momentum. And as great as the KU football offense was all season long, that was one thing that at times they stumbled a bit to take advantage of the momentum that the defense maybe got them to where you didn't play ultimate complementary football. Um, so for then, both teams three and outed, and then uh, there was a big drive when it was 30-21. to 21. That's what kind of broke the momentum stalemate. Uh, Tory Lachlan fumbled, and Kansas State took over. 
From there, they score a touchdown. Kansas gets a touchdown. I think that next touchdown might have been the one where Jalen Daniels like jumps in the air and gets hit hard, and, kind of, uh, and everybody's yep. like, "Oh yep. no!" Like, yep. "Oh no, please!" But he was okay. Yeah, that was the one. Um, it's forty to twenty-seven again. The defense holds to a field goal after a a short um, drive because again, special teams a problem. They had a sixty-nine yard kick return to the Kansas thirty-one, but you held them the three, so it's forty to twenty-seven. And again, this is the same thing. You're down forty to twenty-seven. Eleven minutes left in the game. It's like if we score a touchdown here, this is a game. And this was uh, certainly controversial because Kansas ends up having a fourth and six and they ended up punting down 13 with like what nine I, minutes I, left? I think, yeah, around something nine like minutes. that. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah. And then you end up giving up a touchdown, you three and out, and then they end the game. So 47 to 27, the final score of this one. I think the game was closer than that final score indicated, uh, to be clear. So. Yeah, I think, like yeah. I said, I, just to lead off this segment, like I was mentioning, I think this was an interesting game, but also a frustrating game because you really, on one hand, you really did kind of hold true to what your expectations were of keeping it close, being very competitive. You know, you're right there. But then on the flip side, it's like, man, you know, you can you can immediately point to like three or four different plays where if you just execute at a even like a just regular level or just make a one tackle this game could be totally, totally different. Mm -hmm. You go to the fumbled punt. You go to the Deuce Fawn 80-yard pass when you had him backed up, to the safety, to the fumble by Tory Lachlan. Like, there's multiple plays in this game where you're like, man, dude, that uh, if you just if, if that doesn't happen, maybe this is a game where KU has a chance to win. You know, So it's kind of a little bit of a yin and yang in that sense because, like I said, you, you were competitive. You know, K-State did not run you off the field like they have in the past. But at the same time, there were still a couple of those key plays that you just you yeah. just couldn't quite execute on, and, and, and it cost you. Yeah, as far as dudes list, I actually, Jalen Daniels, the stats don't look great. 20 of 32, 168 yards. That's only 5.3 per attempt. No touchdowns, no picks. Eight carries, 51, and a touchdown. He actually had an 89.5 QBR, though. I thought he was he was really good in this game. If you remember, the the weather conditions weren't great. I think it was like kind of drizzling. You're on the road yeah. against a good defense. Yeah. Um, but classic, he, it, it was classic that he looked November, back to normal. Classic late November yeah. Kansas weather where it's like 40 and cloudy and rainy and yeah, crappy. Not great weather. Um, but he looked more like the normal stuff. Like you saw the zip back on the throws. You saw him running a little bit more, which that was good to see. Um, Lonnie Phelps was good in this game. But yeah, in the end, just just kind of too many too many mental mistakes or, or too many just un unforced mistakes, I guess, um, which kind of cost you in the end. And as far as like teaching tools for for what this could mean for 2023 i think it tells you a couple things one it goes back in line with kansas is a lot better but they're still not to a point where they can afford to have mental mistakes and special teams mistakes you're not going to win yeah. that way right um again they're not alabama alabama a lot of years has had like the worst kicker ever for some reason but they still win it doesn't matter it only comes back to bite them like once every like 3 years right it's not a big deal um so that that I think shows it there. Uh, obviously, it shows you special teams is so important. You you have the the drop punt. You have the kick return that basically backs you up to where you do have to get the safety. You give up yep. the like seventy yard kick return the other way. Yep. Like those are obviously big differences in this game, um, and hopefully something that gets fixed for this year. Uh, at the same point in time, I think this also shows you that KU maybe is closer to K State than they've been in a long time. Again, K State is is at another level than you are. They just won the Big Twelve. They've beaten you for whatever fourteen, fifteen straight years. I'm not trying to say they're on equal footing. You gotta, you know, you you gotta pony up on your own to to kind of get to that point yourself. But it is closer. The gap has been closed, probably closer than any point it's been since 
Mark Mangino. So yeah. um that's a good thing. That's exciting. And again, if you if you take away a few of those plays and you play more mental free football, maybe you do win this game. Maybe you are at least more competitive. Maybe it is a one score game. And you did that on the road against the Big 12 champions, which I think teaches you not just about Kansas State, but it also teaches you that this team isn't that far away. Yeah, they might only win five, six, seven games this year, but the gap between that and winning the Big 12 right now, yeah. it's not that wide. It's really not. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our uh, KU Rewind. We just have Arkansas to do next week. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, rcst1320am at gmail.com. That's rcst1320am at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.